Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Merry Christmas. What a great night, right? I mean, I've got so many people I just want to thank because you guys know so many people are out of town, but obviously not everyone. The house is nearly full, which I just didn't know coming in to tonight. But I want to thank our production people that are making online go. I'll welcome you online in just a moment. All of you who are making production happen in this room. There's kids programming down the hall. And what a fantastic opportunity to be led in worship by this band. Would you agree? Seth, Danny Kwan, Justin Barnes, Joe Rickert. It is, man, just a gift. Thank you for the time you put into that. Thank you for bringing your full self tonight and for the energy. I do want to welcome you because a year ago we weren't able to celebrate this night live. If I'm honest, a year ago uh, we recorded Christmas Eve, December the 2nd at Seth's house. And you're like, what's wrong with that? Well, listen, none of you were there. That's what's wrong with that. And so it is a privilege to gather live on Christmas Eve. I say that to every one of you who are in this room, and I want to say it to all of you who are watching online. I know many of you are watching from your homes here in San Francisco. Lots of you are with family, and I just want to say, if you're extended family of people who are part of our Epic community, welcome to you as well. We know we have people watching all over the world. It's already Christmas Day there, but nonetheless, welcome to Christmas Eve at Epic. The waiting is almost over. While we don't have to wait much longer for Christmas, I very much realize that there still are many things out of your reach. I realize that you and I are still waiting, even if we don't have to wait many more hours for Christmas to be here. We're waiting for our world to return to some sense of normalcy. We're waiting for our nation to no longer be so divided. Here in San Francisco, at least, we're waiting for our city to solve the issues that are keeping us from thriving as a collective. But on a more personal note, I know that you're waiting. I know you're waiting for the relationship, for the job, for the healing, for the housing, for the baby, for some kind of breakthrough. And friends, while I cannot predict how long you will be waiting for the thing that you're waiting for in this season, Tonight, I want to give you something to hold on to. Anybody besides me, could you use something to hold on to before you can hold the thing you want to hold? Anybody besides me? I mean, I've got good news, but I'm actually going to reserve it only if you want it. Just kidding. I'm giving it to you regardless if you want it or not. What you and I need is something that we can grasp onto before we can grasp the thing that we long for. So I hope that the thing that you're longing for, I hope that it's not long before you actually get to hold it in your hands. But tonight, I believe God is going to give us a word. I believe some of you, for the first time, are going to encounter the real Jesus, not the stuff that you heard, not the stuff you grew up thinking, or the stuff that you've made up in your own mind. I believe tonight you're going to receive something that you can walk away with tangible tonight, even if you don't get yet the thing that you long to get. I'm calling this Christmas Eve message between now and then. How do we live between this moment and that moment when we get ultimate 
fulfillment. Our Christmas Eve text is found in Luke chapter 2. Surprise, surprise. But it's not the moment that you might expect. It's, in fact, Will took my message about the shepherds last Sunday. Just kidding. Just kidding. I actually wanted to do the message that I'm doing tonight. And then, and certainly, he did a fantastic job this past Sunday. And just so you know, it's like a two-part. And I'm giving the second part tonight. So if you have a Bible on you, or you can just pay attention to the screens, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Let me set the scene. And then I will grab my Bible behind me. I will read you this text. And there's so much to learn about how we live between this moment and that moment. The shepherds have come. Jesus has been born. There's a lot going on. And now Mary and Joseph, they bring Jesus to Jerusalem to do for their new baby what the law required. Jesus, as you probably know, um, he was the firstborn uh, in his family, and there's Customs that you needed to do for any baby, but certainly for a male baby and certainly for the firstborn. And so they bring him into the temple, and I want you to see this scene. I want you to understand that there's something you can hold on to tonight before you actually get to hold on to the thing you long to hold. In verse 25, Luke writes these words, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. As you would imagine, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, but that's not the end of the story. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he said this to Mary, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'm going to give you some things that you need to walk away from here with tonight. But as I've understood as a parent to four teenagers, I can want a lot for you, but I can't control you. As I've understood as a pastor to a congregation, I can want a lot for you. But it actually is up to you, the youngest of you and the oldest of you. It is up to you what you walk away with here from here tonight. First thing I want you to see from this encounter between, and just remember, they're in the temple, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, and Simeon. And the first thing you see is this, God is present regardless of what remains absent. God is present regardless of what remains absent. So many of us get convinced that while we're waiting on God to bring us something, that God is out there in the future where the thing is that we're waiting for him to do. And when we get that thing, we know God is present there. But I am here to tell you tonight what Simeon learned before this moment in the temple. God is present regardless of what remains absent. Regardless of what remains absent. Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the deliverer who had been prophesied about to show up. He's waiting for Israel's Savior. He's waiting for the Messiah to be born. But notice what's happening while he's waiting. While Simeon is waiting, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God is on him. And hear this. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't show up when Simeon finally holds baby Jesus in his arms. While Simeon is waiting, God is there. While Simeon is waiting, Simeon is not alone. And the reason you need to know that tonight is this. While you are waiting, you're not waiting without God. You're very much waiting with God. But you have to access the presence that has come to you. Had Simeon rejected the Holy Spirit in his life, God's presence wouldn't have been noticed in a way that it was. God is present regardless of what remains absent. The second thing you see from Simeon is this, though. We must hold on to the promise before we can hold the fulfillment of the promise. You actually have, you're like, Ben, I don't have anything to hold on to. I, I'm waiting for this thing. I'm ready to, to see it with these physical eyes. I'm, I'm ready to hold it with my physical hands. I'm ready to experience it in the here and now. And what I'm here to tell you is this. There is always a distance between a promise and a fulfillment of the promise. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's always a space, there's always time, there's always sometimes a lot of time between a promise and the fulfillment of the promise. Patricia and Gwen, thank you for leading that Advent moment. You heard them read about Anna who had been waiting for that moment for 84 years and you're like, that's a long time. That's a long time. But guys, the prophecies about Jesus had been a lot longer than 84 years before they were fulfilled. There's always a distance, there's always some space between a promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And what I'm telling you today, if God has given you a promise about your kids, if God has given you a promise about your health, if God has given you a promise about your peace, I want you to know today that you can hold on to his promise before you hold the outcome of his promise. You you don't have nothing to grasp onto, even while you don't have the thing that you want to grasp onto. You actually have a promise that you can sink your teeth into and hold on to the promise. But for Simeon, he gets this great moment of fulfillment. Can you imagine the joy that is present in that moment? I mean, he's finally in his very arms holding the gift that he's been waiting for. I mean, surely his joy in this moment, matches the joy of that six-year-old girl that gets the doll she's been hoping for all Christmas season, and it's even better than she hoped it would be. But though there's joy present in this moment, every issue in the world isn't solved, is it? If you didn't catch the promise that God gave to Simeon, Simeon was told, Simeon, before you die, you will see the Lord's Messiah. I've got to imagine... While he's holding this new life, he must simultaneously be thinking, I wonder if I will die tomorrow. Not everything's rosy, not everything's perfect. And he notices the mother of Jesus. He notices the joy that's on her face. Joy is very much present, but he lets her know this. Don't miss it. He basically says to Mary, Mary, Joy will not be the only emotion you will know because of the life of your son. Anybody besides me wish joy was the only emotion you knew firsthand? So we've got to ask some questions so that I don't sound idealistic tonight on this Christmas Eve just because we feel warm and fuzzy. Is it possible to hold on to joy even while holding on to sorrow? Is it actually possible to hold on to joy even while holding on to sorrow? Some of you have had your hearts broken this year. Sadness has become a daily companion for you. And you're wondering, is it always going to be like this? Is it possible to hold on to joy 
even while holding on to sorrow. But here's a second question. Is it possible to hold on to joy regardless of what you have to let go of? All of us watching right now and present in this room have had to let go of some things over the last couple of years, yes? Some expectations. I assume some of you are in this room because yours was one of the 600 flights canceled today. We're glad that you're here with us. I know other people are in this room and you had to let go of some expectations about going to see family for other kinds of reasons. And I know this year alone, loss has been experienced by so many people in our community and generally just in the world. You've lost a loved one. You've experienced the end of your marriage. You've seen the death of a dream that you held dearly. And the question you're asking is how do you keep going on when you lose what you thought would be with you forever? But I think there's a third question, and we've alluded to it already, and it's this one. Is it possible to hold on to joy even while you're waiting for what isn't here yet? You see, some of you have lived under this false moniker maybe your entire life, but especially all of 2021. You've told yourself, when I get fill in the blank, then I can have joy. When the pandemic goes away, then I have permission to have joy. When I find someone who will marry me, then I can have joy. When I have a baby, joy. When my kids come back to God, joy. When I get promoted, joy. When this illness goes away, joy. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you can have joy even while you're waiting for the thing that you're waiting for. In case you don't know much about the Bible, you're in a really great place tonight. There's one book of the Bible, 66 books, but there's one book, only one book, that has for its entire theme of the book, joy. Only one that has joy as its theme. And you're like, Ben, man, if there's only one book in the entire Bible that has joy as its theme, that guy must have had everything going his way. Right? I mean, like, he invested in the best stocks. He got everything he wanted for Christmas. He had a great family. He never had trials. He never endured conflict. He never had anyone walk out on him who used to be a friend. And I'm here to tell you that's not at all what was going on for this one named Paul who wrote the letter to the church at Philippi. We call it in the New Testament Philippians. Guys, his theme was joy, but he wrote it from prison. So... So what argument do we have? Here's one of the things he said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, always. And he's like, in case you didn't hear me the first time, I will say it again. Rejoice. How do you rejoice always? What I know is the only way you can rejoice always in something is if that something is always present in your life. Right? The, the only way I can rejoice in my bank account is if I'm always seeing a number that I want to see. But let's be honest, if, if that's our thing, we always want more to have joy. And he's going, no, 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 here's the thing. You can only rejoice always in something if it's always present, and this is the promise of Jesus. The Lord, as the angel said to Mary, the Lord is with you. And Jesus said, so that was happening on Jesus' entrance to earth, and on Jesus' way out, he said, just know this, I am with you to the end of this age. See, the question is never, is Jesus willing to be with us so our joy can be present? The question is, will we be with him so that our joy can be present? Here's what you've got to know. God has made joy available to everyone. 
God has actually made joy available to everyone, regardless of your circumstances or your performance. Like, Ben, tell me more about that. Well, look at what Simeon says. In verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light to the Gentiles and glory for your people, Israel. Like, Ben, who all does that include? That includes everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter how religious or irreligious you are. It doesn't matter if you're part of Israel, God's initial chosen people, or if you're not a part of Israel. This is for everyone which includes you, and it includes me. Doesn't this echo what the angels told the shepherds that night? Do not be afraid. Lindsay said it in her welcome. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for... And you sound like you have it tonight. I hope at home you're going crazy like you're excited. And I know you're not wearing a mask, and you could be louder and all the things... Good news of great joy for all the people. I mean, the shepherds, after this momentous encounter, they are going back to the same fields, back to the same sheep, back to the same pasture. They're going back to the same circumstances, and they are going back to the same reputation, but they're going back with incredible joy. So I would love to tell you when January 1st comes, because we're in a new year, the thing that you wanted to be present, it's all going to be present, and the thing you wanted removed from your life, it's all going to be removed. I would love to tell you that I can't give you that promise, but I do have one that's better, and it's that joy can be yours always. Always. Now let's think about the word that Simeon gives Mary. This baby, Mary, is going to cause the falling and the rising of many. And oh, by the way, A sword will pierce your own soul too. This is Mary. Mary who is marveling with joy in this moment. Mary who, after the shepherds gave her what they had heard about this baby, she treasured up all of these things in her heart. This is Mary who has this beautiful song of praise at the end of Luke chapter 1, thanking God for all that he's given to her and all he's allowed her to be a part of. And this is Mary who's going to look at her son suffering in unimaginable ways on a cross and yet still promising her joy. How? How? Verse 29, here's what Simeon says, as he begins the song of praise, he says, Sovereign Lord, here's what he's saying. You are over my life, you are over Israel, you are over this moment, and you are over human history. Sovereign Lord, and here's the four things that he says next, or the four words out of his mouth. As you have promised. As you have promised. As you have promised. Simeon is saying, God, for a while, all I held on to, all I had access to was the promise, but now I'm holding the fulfillment of the promise. So what are we going to hold on to? This Christmas and moving into the new year, what are you going to hold on to? What's the promise? What promise did Jesus give Mary? What promise did Jesus give his disciples? What promise did Jesus give to us? I want to show you John 16, verses 20 through 22. I hope this gets you excited if you're not excited yet. John 16, 20 through 22. Jesus is about to leave his disciples. They're going to feel abandoned. They're going to feel confused. They're going to feel scared. They're going to be grieving. And he's trying to inspire them to hold on to a promise. So to hold on to a promise, you have to be given a promise. 
And then you have a choice whether or not you will receive the promise. The difference in all of us in this room and those watching online, those of us who are living with joy permanently and those of us who aren't, we've all been promised. Some of us are trusting the promise and others of us aren't. Here's the promise. Very truly, he says, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So church, weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Grieve. Grieve because it's healthy. Grieve because of what you lost. Grieve because childhood for your kids is over. Grieve because of not being able to have a child. Grieve. But know the promise of Jesus is that your grief will turn to joy. And as I think about Christmas Eve, Seth, I can only think about him using the illustration of a woman giving birth. Ladies, I've been told it's painful. Lindsay said no. That's not what you meant? She meant you don't even know. Okay, all right, totally understood. I was like, it's not? But he says, here's what's going to be true for you. Just like that mother, she's in pain as she's delivering that child. But there's a moment. There's a fulfillment of a promise There's what she had hoped for all along. And when that moment comes, the sting goes away, the pain goes away, the sorrow goes away. And Jesus is promising his disciples and he's promising us, you can today rejoice always and have joy in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your loss, and in the midst of your waiting. But friends, what he's saying between now and that day, on that day, you're going to have a joy not in the midst of sorrow. You're going to have a joy without sorrow, anyone. You're going to have a joy without having to wait. You're going to have a joy without having to experience loss one more moment in your life. Anybody want joy while you wait for that day? That's what's available. But how do we get there? It's all about what we look to and what we trust. So let me give you this from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Where do we look? We fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's going, here's joy, and we're looking everywhere else so that we don't get it. Am I the only one who has sought other sources for my joy? Come on, let's check what's going to happen with the disease. What's going to happen with the future? What's going to happen with uh, church attendance? What's going to happen with this family situation? And those are important things. They all can be. But I am called and you are called to fix your eyes on Jesus. And as you do, I promise you can receive joy. Will you receive joy tonight? Or if you've set joy down, will you pick it back up? Will you receive Jesus into your arms? 
into your life, into your sorrow, into your loss, into your waiting. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth and you receive her king. Let every single heart in this room and watching online prepare him room. God is present regardless of what remains absent. You've got to hold on to the promise before you can hold the fulfillment of the promise. And it is possible to have joy in the midst of your waiting and your loss and your sorrow. But it really matters where you fix your eyes. I want to ask you to just close your eyes and bow your heads if you don't mind, wherever you are tonight, here in person as well as watching at home. I know that it seems like joy is impossible because of the world, because of your family dynamic, because of what's happening at work, because you're so anxious, and I I get it. But even in my own personal life the last few days, I just had to keep reminding myself, Ben, where are you going to give your attention? Ben, where are you going to fix your eyes? Ben, will you hold on to it before you can hold the thing that you're waiting for? And tonight, I believe that some of you, both here and at home or wherever you may be traveling, I believe tonight's the night for you to open your life. It's time to drop the pride because that isn't helping you or anyone else. Maybe you're with family and they've assumed you're a person of faith, but let's be honest, you've never received the life of Jesus into your life. Could tonight be the night where you open your hands just to tell your body and open your heart to tell your soul, I want to receive Jesus tonight. I want to have Simeon's experience. I want to take him into my life. And I want to say to God, and you can say this in your heart, God, just like Simeon, I have been waiting for you my whole life. And like Simeon, not every problem in the world would was going to be solved, but you were going to be present with us forever. God, would you help us to fix our eyes on you? It's tonight the night you put your faith in Jesus. It's tonight the night you received his life and gave him yours. Simply, just like Jesus, I give you my life. A lot of us probably need to say, Jesus, I give you back my life. I've tried to control it. I've tried to search for other sources of joy. But tonight, I'm I'm just receiving it from you. If you've done that tonight, you can let us know. If you're watching online, you can fill out the digital connect card there. If you're here in the room, you can let us know that by the physical card that's in the chair back in front of you. You go ahead and open your eyes. I want to just get your attention one last time tonight. And and really for us, for 2021, though we'll be online this Sunday. Don't give up. You've made it to this point with God's help. Joy is still the offer. But as a church, as a family, as individuals, let's fix our eyes 
on the only one who can make that promise to us. Not only did joy come at Christmas, but the way that John said it to open up his gospel, he said that the light was shining into the world. And the thing was, is that the darkness was never going to overcome it. Anybody besides me, as you look around, you need to be able to believe this as much as ever. The darkness will not overcome the light of Christ. Jesus claimed to be the light of the world, and then he said to his followers, oh, and by the way, you, and you, and you, and, you, and we were the light of the world. And so as Seth gets ready to sing Silent Night and Oh Holy Night, we're going to light candles. You can go ahead and stand. I'm going to light mine. I'm going to pass it down, and yours will come sometime soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.